It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Robin Banks. Robin, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you, Laban. I wanted to say it's such a pleasure to be on a show called Become Your Own Superhero. So thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and a delight for me to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Well, we're very excited to have you on the show. And uh, you're beaming in from the bright lights of Johannesburg, I understand. I am beaming in from the bright lights of Johannesburg. They are, uh, they are screen lights, but uh, we are in summer. And our lockdown's nowhere near as bad as you guys are there in Melbourne. Uh, but yeah, I'm bringing in from Johannesburg. I've been to Melbourne many, many times. In fact, there's a very funny story. Uh, I was in Melbourne. I can't remember the hotel I was staying at, but you probably know it. And right across the road is a golf course. And uh, I wanted to play a round of golf. So the, <laughs> the concierge phones the golf course. And he says, uh, one of our clients would like to come and play a round of golf. Please, you've got a, a tea time for him. Obviously, he was an Indian fella. And so the guy says, yeah, sure, Mike. What's, what's his name? So the guy says, no, his name is Robin Banks. So I'll never forget this guy goes, listen, mate, we don't have time for practical jokes. And he hung up the phone. So the concierge actually had to phone him back and say, no, he, he says, his name's Robin Banks. He says, get him to bring some identification. I need to see that. And when I got to the golf course, the guy was like, blimey, your name's really Robin Banks. What the bloody hell are your parents thinking? So I don't rob banks for a living. It's just you Aussies get it quite quickly. But yeah, so I have been to Melbourne. I've been to Australia. I love Australia. It's a great country. Well, I was going to get through this whole podcast without even bringing up the Robin Banks uh, reference. So you <laughs> took it away from me. There you go. What a fantastic what I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic, memorable name. And I think it's important to be memorable. And I suppose that's a great place to start. What makes you so memorable, Robin? Wow, geez, that's a great question. I've never had that question before. Um, I, I think what I'd say to that is I, I genuinely, genuinely love people. Uh, you, you know, I was speaking a bit earlier about Les Brown, who we both uh, have incredible respect for, and uh, it's one of the qualities I love about him. And I really, really love people. I love seeing people. I love inspiring people. I love making people feel good about themselves. So for me, every moment I meet someone, I see as the touch point to make an impact in their lives. I mean, silly example, I was playing golf yesterday in a, a, a tournament. And, uh, for, you know, for those of you who understand golf, the game in front of us slowed down. So quite a few of us were backed up on the tee box. And uh, so I just uh, chatting to the guys behind me and telling them jokes and they were laughing. And uh, as I left, they just couldn't stop laughing. And I walked away and I thought, geez, I really love being able to make a positive impact on people's lives. I mean, I'll probably never see those guys again, but 
so I suppose, yeah, as I said, I've never had that question, but I genuinely, genuinely love people and nothing, nothing makes me feel better than knowing I've made a contribution to someone, whether it's a small contribution in a situation like that or changing people's lives through the work that I do. It's truly what inspires me is to make a difference. And so I suppose that is memorable. In fact, there's a great saying that says people, people won't, won't remember everything that you've said, but they'll always remember the way you made them feel. And I love that because I think one of our gifts as human beings is to, to uplift people and to make them feel good about themselves. And so often I think we're so focused on how we feeling, not realizing that actually the quickest way to change how you feeling is change the way other people are feeling because I walked away from that short experience and I felt, oh, I had a smile on my face. I felt, oh, that felt so cool. You know, that I could hear them still laughing in the background because I told them two really corny jokes. I mean, they are so corny. They are so bad. In fact, I'll tell them to you. They recently discovered what gay horses eat. Do you know what gay horses eat? After 17 years of research, they now know what they eat. Hey! And so, and I heard it from some TV show or something. So I told them this corny joke. And so, yeah, so for me, I don't know. I just, I really love people like them. I really, really do. Well, it comes through in your work, uh, Robin, and, and, and to, to describe to people what you do, it's, it's a mind, mind power and, and personal mastery expert is the, the area that you really focus on. Is there anything else that I'm missing? No, no, no. My, my, my main product is a product called Mind Power. That's mainly what I teach people is the power of your thoughts and how you literally create your reality. Uh, the life you are living today really has been created by you. But as human beings, we very often play the role of the victim. And the, the role of the victim, there's actually the ABC language that victims use. There's also the ABC language of the victor. So part of my job is I want to move people from a victim state of consciousness to a victor state of consciousness. And the ABC language of the victim focuses on accusation, blame, and complaint, because that's what victims love to do, is they're constantly blaming other people because they can't move ahead, or they're blaming their circumstances, or they're blaming the government, or they're blaming the coronavirus, or they're blaming their mother-in-law, their boss, or their father, or their upbringing. And not to say that those things aren't valid. Uh, sometimes we are right that circumstances have held us back, but uh, we are not a condition. We are not a. Um, we are not an outcome of our circumstances. We can literally recreate our circumstances by rewriting the story of who we are. So, a huge part of what I want people to learn is that you can either choose to live your life as a victim, focusing on accusation, blame, and complaint. <clears throat> and the reason I can't get ahead financially is the economy is bad. Yeah, but how come other people are succeeding? Well, they're lucky. I don't think they're lucky. I think they have the right mindset. I think they have the right attitude. I think they have the right belief systems and they make empowering choices. And I've just given you the ABC of the victor, your attitude, your beliefs, and your choices, because those are, those are three things that only you control. Nobody controls your attitude. Nobody can. Now your beliefs, slightly different story. Your beliefs have been created by your upbringing by the things that your parents have said to you about money, about different religious groups, about black people, white people, about uh, women and men. So our beliefs have kind of been conditioned by our upbringing. But a huge part of what I want people to do is learn to constantly upgrade your software. And the software I'm referring to is your mindset, uh, your belief systems, because if you were living in 2020, but your operating system is Windows 95, <laughs> it makes for a very slow experience. And I think that's why so many of us are struggling is that we are trying, trying to live in a changing world, but our mindset is still outdated. 
So there are ways that you can uninstall the old uh, uh, programming, uh, or as I say, weed out the negatives, and then start seeding new uh, uh, belief systems and upgrading your software. So that's the B, and then the C is your choices. So a big part of what I want people to get is that you literally are the creator of your circumstances. And this is not bad news. This is fabulous news. Because if you don't like your circumstances, you can change them. Which which I absolutely adore, Robin. And this is something that's so, so extraordinarily close to my heart. And I, I even had, I've had three occasions today where I've overheard people using limiting beliefs and negative self-talk about weight and uh, and just coronavirus and I felt compelled to just encourage them with with a, a reframing of that mindset. And I and I was curious to ask you, you know, you've been doing this for twenty years now. Do you do you get sick of talking to people about this kind of stuff? Or do you do you ever overstep the mark a little bit and get told off? I don't get sick about talking to people about it. Uh, not at all. It's part of my. That's my purpose. And so for me. Uh, I see the challenge for me is to constantly find ways and means of uplifting people. So for me, Laban, what I find useful is often when people do my mind power course, they have such a major revelation and such major transformation. And then they, what they tend to do is they start going telling, go start telling people, don't think like that. Think like this. Don't do that. And people hate being told how to be. Uh, and, 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 Often I'll have like a wife saying, my husband is so irritated with me because I become so positive. And he says, I'm constantly telling him how he's thinking and how he's thinking. And I said, yeah, because you're making him wrong. <laughs> and people don't like being made wrong. So there's a way of shining the light on something. And I loved you used a great word there, reframing. And I loved when you said, helping them to reframe it. So some people, depending on where they're at, and by the way, this is no judgment and saying there's a better or, the, or a worse than, than, but some people are already awakened. Some people are awakening. Some people are asleep, but they know that they're asleep and they're looking to be awakened. And some people are asleep and they just don't even know that they're asleep. So you kind of have to address it. And again, seriously, without judgment of this is better, this is worse. It's just a question of, well, this is where the person is at. So I'll give you an example. The guys I told the joke to yesterday, chances of them coming to my seminar, uh, 2%. <laughs> I don't think they're my, uh, my target market exactly in the sense that I'm not sure personal development would be, I could be wrong, by the way, but I'm not sure that that's what their goal in life is. I mean, they were drinking away and having fun and that's cool. That's where they're at. So for me, I look for windows of opportunities of just dropping a little nugget of gold in here or there. And, uh, and so the thing to get is that there's, I mean, my personal mission statement um, is that, I'd like to transform global consciousness, which is quite grandiose, but uh, I am no, rather no. over the top. So, yeah. So my mission is that I transform global consciousness by creating a world of powerful self-expression. And I believe that each and every one of us has a mission in life. Each and every one of us has our own reason for being and what drives me and what drives you. Now, you and I are in a slightly similar field, but even the way I'm driven and the way you're driven, we've got different strengths and weaknesses. You know, so I try and help people. I'll just give you an example for those who may be listening right now. You know, think of your top 10 strengths. Now, we all have strengths and weaknesses, but I actually encourage people think about your top 10 strengths in an order. Like if I had to say my top 10 strengths in order, I'm confident. 
I'm charming. I'm eloquent. I'm friendly. I've got a great sense of humor. I'm dynamic. I'm enthusiastic. I'm outgoing. I'm determined. I'm driven. So as you can tell, I've said that a few times. Why is that good to know? Now, some people might say, but Robin, isn't this arrogant? No, it's good to know yourself. Becoming your own hero is about being clear about your strengths and weaknesses. Now, I can also tell you my weaknesses. I'm very impatient. <laughs> I can, I'm not as, as studious as I'd like to be. Uh, I can be very um, uh, egotistical at times, and I need to watch that. So it's good to know your strengths and your shadows, because we have strengths and shadows, because if you know your shadow, it can't control you. The only time your shadow can overwhelm you is if you're not aware of it. So I can sometimes say, oh, Robin, you're being a bit impatient here. Yeah? Just relax. You know, and just be patient. This is the pace this person is moving. Or actually, Robin, you're coming across as a little bit arrogant and over the top here. Back off a bit. And so I literally am monitoring myself because what's my ultimate outcome? I want to uplift people. I don't want them to make them feel that they're less than. So if I come across as arrogant, they'll feel less than. It's the last thing I want to do. So knowing your strengths helps you to see what is your purpose in life. So my purpose is to transform global consciousness. Now, I do that in numerous ways where I do seminars for thousands of people at a time. I do that in ways where I do online webinars and stuff like that. But I can also do it when I meet guys in a golf course for two minutes. I can also do it when I meet someone, the teller at the shopping, at, at the, at, as I'm ex, um, buying my, my groceries. If I can make her smile, if I can lift her spirits, I've transformed her consciousness, even if it's just momentarily. Now, ultimately, I want to transform your consciousness forever. But... Each moment is an opportunity to lift people. So I love what you just said. Get that people are going to be negative. They are. So we're never going to rid the world of negative people. So see it as an opportunity. Of, okay, how can I just reframe? And I love that word again. Help them to reframe the way they're seeing the situation. So, for example, the coronavirus. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, this is a crisis. Like, I mean, you can paint it in the coolest motivational language you want. And, oh, this is, it's a freaking crisis. <laughs> the world is never going to be the same again. Uh, the economy is shot <laughs> for the globe for years to come. Yeah, this is not great. This is shit <laughs> to give it to you straight. This is not what we had intended. So you have to see it as it is. Don't pretend it isn't what it is. And so everything's hunky-dory. No, no, no. Uh, this, these are challenging times. But to reframe it again, oh, love your language, is there's a great quote by a man called Sam Weiss. And he says, change is not a force to be feared, but an opportunity to be seized. And I love that. So you don't deny the change. If your relationship's going through change, if you're having trouble financially, it is, it, is what it, it is what it is, but it is, it is not a force to be feared, but an opportunity to be seized. It's an opportunity to reinvent yourself. So just very quickly, because I do get carried away, you have to watch when you ask me questions. When we went into lockdown in March in South Africa, I'm based in Johannesburg. To be completely honest with you, for the first two weeks, I was in crisis because I was like, holy shit. I mean, what am I going to do? My whole business model, my entire business model came crashing to the ground. So I literally went from a business model that was probably 10% online and 90% live. And now suddenly I can't do seminars for more than 50 people at a time initially. And then of course we went into a total lockdown, which was, you couldn't see anybody else. And it was, I, fe I felt fear. 
So often people think that you shouldn't feel fear. No, of course you feel fear. Fear is a human emotion. But what fear tells you to do is get prepared. Fear tells you, okay, things are changing. Don't deny the fear. Don't deny the facts. Don't deny the feeling. Go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm feeling an incredible amount of fear. Okay, what am I going to do about it? Now, that's the step most people don't take. That simple step from I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling fearful, what am I going to do about it? Simple example. <laughs> I've had numerous occasions this year where I was like, oh boy, man, I'm not feeling so great. Shit, is this COVID-19? Do I have the virus? And then I go, <laughs> and maybe I'm like, okay, stop, breathe. Do you have a sore throat? No. Okay. Do you have a fever? No. Okay. Do you have a cough? No. Can you smell and taste? Uh, yes. What are the chances you have COVID now? 1%? <laughs> okay. So uh, do you need to go for a test? I don't think so. Will you stop worrying? Okay. So, and if I did have any of those symptoms, go for a test and then take the precautions. So what most people tend to do is they become paralyzed by fear. So as opposed to taking action, they actually stop and they don't move forward into it. So coming back to your original question, which I've veered off quite substantially, um, people are who people are. And to love people where they're at without feeling like where they're at, you know, like you and I know that there's another perspective that they can have. And you can extend an invitation. And I've done it in the wrong way a few times. I've done it in the wrong way many times where I meant something and people took it the wrong way. And then I just go, okay, that's a learning curve. Next time I think I won't say it that way. It did come across as like, like I'm a, a know-it-all or something like that. But uh, for me, I, I, I just, to answer your question, I, I don't surround myself with negative people. If someone is constantly negative and I've made the invitation and they don't accept it, I'm very conscious about not spending too much time with them because that vibration does become addictive and you can start falling into the trap with them. So I would encourage people to surround yourself with people who inspire you. Surround yourself with people who encourage you to move to another level. Surround yourself with people who are at a level you'd like to be. Because if you want to be financially successful, a lot of people take financial success from people who are as broke as they are. Like, duh. Take, it, take advice from people who are where you want to be. Listen to the language that they speak. So, yeah, to answer the question one more time, don't have to go down into, into being with them. You can invite them and then just let the process go. <laughs> it's a great response, Robert. And, I, and uh, mate, I'm grateful for the tangent. It's brilliant. And I, it's, you know, getting rid of those negative influences in your life is something that comes up time and time again. And I've done a really good job of moving forward and surrounding myself with people like you. And then Twitter came along and I found myself in lockdown, spending a lot more time online and then going down, trying to learn. I'm a very inquisitive mind, trying to learn. One of the, the uh, six creative tactics, uh, number four or five is, I uh, uh, forget what it is. It's like always ask questions, I think. Ask questions. I'm always awesome. asking questions. I want to. I want to know. I want actually want to know where the coronavirus is dangerous. I don't think it is for someone in my situation. Pretty sure it's not. Yeah, you know, I want to know no, about you, all this other you, stuff. You're unfit and healthy, so you, probably for you, it's not an issue. Exactly right. And, and uh, but then you go down and you start reading about the left versus the right. All of a sudden, you've gone down this rabbit hole, and and you've you're negged out. And then I found myself getting deflated with this and getting triggered. And I'm like, how? Because how? I need to use Twitter. Well, I don't have to, but it's it's a really good um, way to to share my my content. How do I get off it 
and keep it at the same time? Like, how do you deal with this kind of challenge? Beautiful. Now, but that now that is what you've just said there for me is gold because what you focus on, you experience, what you focus on, you feel, what you focus on, you attract. So whatever you consistently focus on affects how you're feeling, how you're thinking, what you're believing, et cetera, et cetera. So like for watching the news, for example, I went through a phase where I never used to watch the news literally for years. I just, I was like, why am I going to watch the news? It's negative because their focus is on negativity. In fact, I have an acronym for the news, which is negative energy with suffering. <laughs> That's what it is. It's they, they want you to feel so bad. So the focus is on how bad it is. And I'll never forget chatting to my mentor, John Keogh. He wrote the book, Mind Power. And, uh, and he says, oh, and Robbie, uh, yeah, so we're doing the, the tour in Russia, but of course we're not going to the Ukraine uh, because of what's happening in the Ukraine. And I said, well, what's happening in the Ukraine? He says, Robbie, don't you know what's happening in the Ukraine? I said, no, I don't watch the news. He says, Robbie, you need to know what's going on in the world if you're going to be a world influencer. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, right. <laughs> Good point there. Good point there. And so now I do check in with the news. I do watch the news. But you need to be informed. You just don't want to be inundated. So for me, what I've noticed is when I watch the news, how much of it is repetitive. So I've actually realized you could probably watch the news once every three days, and you'll have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. So because sometimes you watch, like sometimes you have the same news channel on, and then like an hour later, they just play the same stuff. And then you watch it again, and then you watch it again, which influences the way you're feeling and you start feeling more and more negative and depressed because they are focusing on what's negative. So here's what I suggest. You need to know what's going on. You need to be on Twitter for your business. I mean, I mean, don't be stupid. It's a great opportunity for you. Be aware that when you're reading it, that this is an aspect of what's going on. That is, this is part of what's going on. They're not focusing on the entire picture. They're focusing on what sells and the one that brings the most emotion because they too are running a business. <laughs> and their business is negative news sells. So let's sell them the negative news. But know that as you are doing, because you're very much doing this, focus on the other aspect as well and decide which percentage is more important to you. So for me, um, I think it is important to know what's going on. I think it is important to be informed because especially the kind of work that we're doing, I mean, for me, it's important to know as I'm speaking and most of your audience, I assume, is in Australia. I know that you guys are going through a lot and you've got the strictest form of lockdown at the moment that anybody can, which for, for the numbers is fascinating. And it's good for me to know that because it changes my, my communication style. So being informed is important. You just don't want to be inundated. And so, and also another point I'd say, when you're watching the news, watch it with an Watch it with a consciousness of blessing the situation rather than going, oh my gosh, oh my God. Don't get into reaction. Just get into observation and blessing and send it, send it love, send it light. So when you guys had the fires in Australia in January 2020, <laughs> when people said January 2020 was the year of plenty, plenty, <laughs> we didn't realize it's going to be plenty, plenty challenges. Because I mean, you guys had some incredible fires. Now, I know that because I'm informed. And I saw that and how much wildlife, and that is seriously, seriously challenging. But what I was also able to do is hold it in consciousness and send it love and light. Literally, I consciously send love and light to it and blessing and support because 
the, the challenge is when we all become negative and down, that adds to the, it adds fuel to the flames. <laughs> Excuse the, the, the pun, yeah. but it literally does add fuel to the flames. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because the, the mood, the vibe around uh, where we are in Melbourne, like I'm right in the CBD, right on the border of the CBD, right near the, the, the casino for anyone who knows the area. And, and, you know, people are starting to relax a little bit, but you couldn't even get someone to look you in the eye. And I was always a, you know, I can tell them, I'm very similar to you in many ways, Robin. I always engage with people, look them in the eye, and if there's an opportunity to say hello and, you know, engage in a, hey, how are you? And, hey, I'm blessed, you know, like create some kind of yeah. kooky thing. I, you know, and I struggle not being able to engage in that way. And I was walking in the park on Saturday with my fiance, and I took my mask off. Um, because you're you're only allowed to have it off if you're running. Now I wasn't running, but I was moving fast enough where I needed to take the mask off to breathe. And this guy walks past me and goes, "You're a fuckwit." And I, it took me half a second to resonate, like to to realize what he said to me. And I spun around and I said, and I was like ready to rip this guy's head off. And he had headphones on and glasses and a mask. And I go, "What did you say?" Like this, like demon came out of me. And uh, and then and then I called him a coward because he just kept on walking, and there was hundreds of people around. Like if I decided to bludgeon him to death in front, <laughs> it would have ended badly for me. <laughs> I'm sure. So so I refrained from doing that, and I wouldn't do that, right? But I was just like, how, like how, where did this guy think it was okay? And I was wearing a tank top. I'm pretty buff, you know. I don't look like someone that you want to fuck with necessarily. I think <laughs> maybe I need to work on that, but. Like, like, what? How bad is his day for him to then telegraph that onto me? And I had to realize that it was nothing to do with me, and everything to do with the way he was feeling. It's come, and, and that is the challenge: is to realize that often. And by the way, even in relationships, <laughs> there's a great course that I'd recommend people do. It's called Imago Therapy. I think it's I M A G O, which is really for people in committed relationships, one-on-one relationships. And one of the things they taught us in that course, and I'll never forget it because it just really made such sense to me, is that first of all, you're always going to choose the person who's, you unconsciously choose the person who's going to challenge you the most and push your buttons the most. You don't realize that in the moment because you're so in love, but actually this person is going to push that one button for you that's going to drive you crazy. And it's an opportunity for growth. And so here's what they say, which relates to your story, that whenever something triggers you, more than likely, it's 10% the incident, 90% what it represents. 90% is your story about, oh, my mom used to do that, or my dad used to do that, or this happened to me when I was a kid. So we carry that baggage with us right now, and we get triggered because this person does what that person did, but you're not consciously aware of it. So I can relate to what you're saying because, um, I mean, I remember, but you know, in a different way, I remember getting onto a plane once, and as I got onto the plane, you know, as I was get, getting onto the plane, I was busy trying to get my bags into the top of the, of the, you know, the storage bin. And some lady came walking past and I had so many things. I said, excuse me. I said, would you mind just grabbing this thing on my shoulder for a moment? And she says, sure. Is there anything else you need me to do for you while you are slowing us all down? And I, I kind of looked at her and I was like, and I was like, so like, What? where the hell did this come from? So I put the bag back, back up and I, and I took it. And I said, I'm so, so sorry, ma'am. I said, I, I really, she says, well, people like you, so arrogant. You think you own the world. And she just walked past. And I was like, and I was thrown, Laban, for like the entire two hour flight. I was like, 
what did I do to this woman? Like, and I'm trying to play in my head what happened. And I suddenly realized, okay, I think I know what happened. And I still don't know, but, but I've got a point, stay with me. I think what happened is I know when I'm getting onto a plane, I tend to hate checking in my luggage because it means I have to wait for the luggage. So I tend to take as much as I possibly can and probably push the limits, to be honest, and take all my luggage with me on the flight. Uh, so I don't have to wait for the luggage. And I think what happened, because I've got this habit, when I get out of the plane, I know that there's a limited amount of storage space. Get on the flight, get on the plane so you can find the luggage. And I think what happened is I obviously pushed past her as I was getting, I mean, I don't know. I'm guessing, by the way. I obviously pushed past her and I might have not seen her. And that obviously triggered her in a big way. And then, of course, I then asked her to help me. And so, anyhow, so later we're busy hiring cars in the same, in the same place. And I see her on the side and I looked at her and I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, by the way, I can tell I really upset you earlier. I said, whatever I've done to upset you, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, it was unconscious and I'd like to apologize to you. And she still looked at me with this dirty look and she said, good God, how bad could you be? And I was just like, freaking hell, I've just apologized for something. I don't even know what I did. And she still took that reaction. And I was genuinely hurt because my intention is to make people feel better, not worse. And the more I drove away, the more I thought to myself, Robin, that's the world she's living in. You know, I can't take responsibility for the world she's living in. And so again, I just sent her love and light and just went, well, whatever's going on for her, she's, I mean, more than likely, as I said, it's 10% that incident, 90% of it is I triggered something for her that relates to something that somebody did in her past. And when that happened, she took that entire baggage out on me. And, and I had to see that. And I suppose the question is, can we have the love and patience with each other, even with strangers, when they treat us that way, like she did and this guy treated you, to be able to rise up and get that, like, I mean, I react, I react. My key, my question is how quickly can I catch myself when I react? Like when someone, like if someone gives me the finger in traffic, I used to be, man, it used to bring out the, like just, and and it's like if someone gave me, gave me a finger, I used to just go ballistic. Like, I, I mean, I was so bad, Laban, in my youth. I, I mean, I'm 50 now, so I can say in my youth. But I mean, I used to literally drive up and speed up on top of them. And then I'd overtake, like, pull over. Do you want to pull over? Do you want to pull over? I was diabolical. I was, seriously, I was nuts. But they gave me the finger, so I'm justified in doing what I did. And I suddenly realized as I became more and more well-known in South Africa in particular, and I became a brand and people started recognizing me, I thought, okay, how would this come across? <laughs> Robin Banks, uh, a personal mastery guru, violently attacks women and does her up in the street. And I'm like, yeah, that, that does not send the right message there. And so I had to recondition because it's just, a finger, Robin. It's just a finger. It's it's the meaning you give it. Because in my past, that was just like the ultimate sign of disrespect was to give someone the finger. And so because of my, pro so I had to reprogram myself. So now, literally, and I hope you don't mind me doing it, is if someone does this to me in the traffic, I go, ah, 
it's just a finger. And I'll go, hello. And they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, hello. That's the way they wave. And so I've, tra I've trained myself to react differently to an experience that pre previously used to trigger me so badly because I've realized I can't choose how, they, how they're going to act, but I can choose how I respond. So now literally when someone gives me a finger, I'm like, it's just, now I must admit, sometimes I have to go, it's just a finger. It's just a finger. It's just a finger. It's just a finger. But I, I would say that I'm way more successful now than I was. And that's part of this whole journey we're on. Don't take it so personally. Personal mastery is exactly that. Personal mastery. People are going to do what people are going to do. Situations are going to do what situations are going to do. The economy is going to go up. The economy is going to go down. I'm not saying you don't have to adapt. But the key is to constantly come back here and say, okay, how can I respond differently to a situation that previously used to trigger me? And so for me, thinking about the guy who said, you, what, you're fucking asshole, or whatever he called you, uh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Interesting viewpoint. And because, and by the way, please, can I say this again? I am not perfect at this. I I have moments where I get triggered and I react. And then five minutes later or 10 minutes later, I go, oh, Robin, you gave your power away. You gave your key away. But the more you can catch it, the more you start mastering yourself because you start stop you stop taking the world around you so personally and start and just realize that you know people are having the experience they're having. And you don't have to, you don't get, you don't have to, what's that saying? You don't have to carry their monkeys on your back. Because I carried this woman's her monkey on my back the entire two hour flight. And it probably took me another half an hour after our incident at the car hire where I was carrying her monkey. And then I finally went, what the hell am I doing? I don't even know this woman. And I'm letting her ruin my day. And I'm like, cheapers, gosh, we are so fickle us as human beings. We allow things to get to us so quickly. And I actually, had to, I literally burst out laughing while I was driving in the car going, Jeepers, I just fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And I thought, oh, Robin. And I literally looked at myself in the mirror. Oh, Robin, you do entertain me, my brother. One thing's for sure. You certainly keep me on my toes because I was sucked in there. And we all get sucked in. The question is, how quickly can you take your power back? <laughs> well, I want to ex explore some of this, uh, the youth of Robin Banks, because you've ended up the being mentored by one of the most prolific motivational people that people will uh, instantly recognize when they see a lot of the books that he's written. John Kehoe, as you mentioned earlier, how, where, how did you end up in this situation that you are now? Yeah, just my luck, as John would say. It's one of the things John teaches you is that most people say, just my luck when something bad happens. He, he's conditioned himself to say when something good happens, just my luck. <laughs> you know? So how it happened for me is, uh, first of all, I read his book uh, in 1996. This is actually the old copy. There's a new one, but uh, uh, it's the same book, just a different cover. But I read this book in 1996. Uh, and uh, what happened is a girlfriend at the time gave me a copy. And she says, Robin, you're a very positive person. I think you enjoy this book. But at the time, little did you know that I was not the world's best reader. I used to be a lazy reader. But what I loved about reading the book, it literally has 145 pages. It's got big words. It's got short chapters. You could, you could read it in three to four hours. Of course, it took me a month. And uh, it took me a month for two reasons. One, because I genuinely am a slower reader than most people. But the second one is I didn't just read it. I actually started practicing what he said. So I literally read the book and I started 
practicing the, these techniques. And I started saying, like, wow, this stuff really works because I started seeing change as a result of starting to work in my mind. Like I really started thinking about what I'm thinking about. I started observing what I focus on. I started listening to the language I was speaking. And as a result of doing that, I started seeing tangible change in my life. And then I did this course in May 1999, which was a, a total game changer. Um, people often don't believe me when I say this, but I quadrupled my income in one month. And I swear to God, that's true. I quadrupled my income in 30 days. <laughs> and there's nothing like quadrupling your income to make you realize this thing is amazing when you can control and direct it. And so, um, uh, and then I became a huge fan. And literally I was running my own seminars. I used to run a program called Victim to Victor which is where the ABCs come from. And uh, at my courses, I used to tell people, you guys got to buy this guy's book. You got to read this guy's book. His book will change your life. And then I realized a lot of people said they would, but they didn't buy the, they didn't go buy the book. So I went to his supplier. I bought the books. I put like a 10% or 20% markup. I honestly didn't put a huge markup because I actually just wanted them to have the book. And so I bought the book and I started selling them at my seminars. And, uh, and I think John got note of this. I was like, geez, who's selling all my books? And, so, and I mean, I was selling lots of books. And I mean, I was, I was paying him. I was, it's a, you know, I, I wasn't being inauthentic or anyway. I put a 10% markup on it or something like that. I can't remember what it was, 10 or 20%. Uh, I even remember the book was 80 at the time and I was uh, 80 rand. Uh, and I was selling it for 100. So it was 20 rand, which is about $2, um, you know, Aussie dollars. And um and I just started noticing that, you know, people were buying this book and loving it. And then I started sending them to his course. I said, listen, he's coming to South Africa. I said, go, he's doing a free seminar. Go and, and do yourself a favor. Sign up on his course. Now, I was getting nothing out of it. I mean, he wasn't giving me a percentage or anything. I was just like, just, and people were like, are you getting money from this guy? I'm like, no, my mission is to transform people's lives. And this is going to be an amazing way to transform your life. Just go, just go. And I think obviously that all started making an impact. And then in 2001, he came to South Africa and he did his very last uh, Mind Power course in Cape Town. I was living in Cape Town at the time. And when he said it was his last one, I was devastated. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I said, why are you stopping? I said, this course is changing millions of people's lives. And then, by the way, literally millions around the globe. I mean, the book sold over many, many millions of copies. And I said to him, and he said, ah, oh, Robin, I've been doing this for 23 years. And he says, I just need to close this chapter and I need to do something else. So I said, but, but this course works. It changes. He says, well, yeah, I know it works. He said, but you know, there comes a time in life when you have to move on. And I suddenly thought, well, someone's got to teach it. So I said, you know, John, I know an up and coming speaker. He's really good. And maybe you want to give him the rights to reach, to treat your program. He says, that wouldn't happen to be you, Robin. I said, gosh, you're so intuitive, John. I said, you're amazing. I said, how did you know? He says, I mean, he's bantering. He's like lucky guess. And he's rolling his eye, lucky guess. And he says, Robin, you can imagine how many people ask me that. He says, listen, uh, just it's not the space I'm in right now, but I'll think about it. Thank God his wife was like, John. I think, what have you got to lose? Robin's already got an audience. What have you got to lose? You know, give him a chance. And it took a lot, to cut a long story short, it took about two years before he finally gave me the nod. And fortunately, my very first course had 230 people on the course. And, uh, and that made him pay attention that I knew how to get people into a room. Because the thing that most people get is, you know, when they see uh, speakers doing events and you see 100 or 200 or 1,000 people in a room, a lot of people think it's easy. No, 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 no. 
filling the room is part of the challenge, uh, you know, and, and building an audience and uh, being being impressionable and being able to make people see value. Uh, that is part of the, the the skill you need to learn. So my for- fortunately, I had 240 people on the first course, and uh, and the first one went outstandingly well. And a two-year contract turned into a lifetime contract. So right now, I'm the only person he's given the rights to, which is truly, truly an honor. Uh, we're very close. He's more like a father figure to me now than he's 23 years my senior. So he's more like a father figure to me and a mentor. And we have really, really good buddies. And uh, and I, I, I do think, though, we are all called to, to greatness. What I knew for sure, though, Laban, is that the how was secondary. But I knew that I have a gift and I knew I have something to bring. And why I'm saying that is for those who are listening, you have a gift. You have something that is unique for you to bring. And nobody brings what you bring. And a lot of people don't recognize their uniqueness. And you shouldn't just recognize that you are unique. You should proclaim it. That your uniqueness is one of the greatest gifts you bring to the world. And your uniqueness is an asset. So celebrate your uniqueness, proclaim your uniqueness and find ways of bringing your gifts to the world. And if one door closes, find the one that's open. And if it takes a while to find the one that opens, it'll take a while to find the one. My business didn't start where I've, like in a lot of people see thousands of people in the room. It didn't start like that. I used to, my first talk had 20 people in the room, 20 people, and they paid me $20. (laughs) It was nothing, but it's a journey. It's not a destination. And the challenge is to love the journey, have a vision of where you want to be, but celebrate each little victory, celebrate each little moment and say, well, I've done this. You know, like I remember that first talk. I mean, I I can, as I, I mean, I literally can see my first talk. Uh, There were 20 people. It was in a restaurant in Cape Town somewhere. And this woman asked me to come and do a talk. And I was shaking in my boots. Uh, it was, um, it was, and if I actually look at what I gave them compared to what I give them now, I mean, yeah, it was okay. But today it's outstanding. So the journey of, of development is often people are impatient and they want to get to the end product without realizing the only way you get to the end product is you don't drive a car and go from first gear to fifth gear. You know, it's first gear to second gear, second gear to third gear, third gear to fourth gear, fourth gear to fifth gear. And The challenge is to enjoy the journey as you're going through it as well. So I do feel extremely blessed. I feel honored and uh, I I don't take it for granted. It is something that uh, I'm eternally grateful for. Well, I mean, it's an extraordinary story. And and I'm, I'm really curious to know, have you ever taken the time ever to work out what the percentage increase that your life has improved since the time that you read that book to now? Uh, I haven't taken the percentage increase. I will say it's in the t- it's in the thousands, if not the tens of thousands, the percentage increase. Because when I did the course, uh, I was driving a little Volkswagen Beetle with a leaking roof. I was earning in Aussie dollars the equivalent of five hundred dollars a month, and that at that time the course was two hundred and fifty dollars. And I literally had to borrow money uh, to do the course because I couldn't afford to do the course. But I knew this course was going to change my life. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And so I borrowed the money uh, uh, to do the course. 
And as I said, I quadrupled my income. So I literally went to $2,000 in one month. Now I need to tell you guys a story. I, was, I had a full-time job and uh, working for a youth leadership organization and I was earning $500 a month doing that. And then my part-time job, I used to do this workshop called Victim to Victor with uh, corporate clients. And I'd do like one or two a month. The best I'd had before the mind power was three in one month. So I'd earned $800, but my average income was $500. And the very next month after mind power, because I started applying my mind power to my part-time business, I earned $500 for my full-time job and $1,500 part-time. And I went, what? This is crazy. And by the end of the year, I was earning so much more money part-time than I was earning for my full-time job. I was like, this is a no-brainer. I mean, like, I got to take the risk. And often what stops us is, again, fear of trying something new and going out on your own and starting your own business can be scary. Uh, But so I always say to people, take calculated risks. Don't take stupid risks. Don't invest everything you've got. You know, find a calculated risk. But... I just find it amazing that I, ch- I used to ch- I was getting paid five hundred dollars a month, and I've been paid twenty thousand dollars for an hour's talk. <laughs> like, how, how do you go from five hundred dollars for a month to twenty thousand dollars for an hour? And the thing I want people to get is that you have to think. You see, most people are limited because they're limited in their thinking. So one of the things I, pe- I get people to do in my in my introductory talk is I show them a video of one of my clients who multiplied his income 16 and a half times in 18 months. It took 18 months. It didn't happen overnight. And I literally get people to put their current income into the calculator and then multiply it by 16.5. And then I said, now tell me what you think about this. How would you feel if you earned that in 18 months? And people are, oh, wow, that would be amazing. That's so awesome. And then I'll say, do you think it's possible? And be honest. And some people will say yes. And some people will say, no, 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 there's no way. There's no way. And I say, well, do you know other people who have done that? Yeah, yeah, no, no, other people who've achieved that. So what do they have that you don't have? Well, uh, better education, uh, better circumstances, bullshit. They've got the right mindset. You have to have a vision which is greater than where you are in order to get there. But whatever your current level of thinking is, if you keep limiting yourself in your thinking, there's no way you can expand your reality. So the way we expand our reality is you push the limits of your thinking and you start thinking at a level which is so beyond where you are now and you flood the brain and you flood the mind with images. I mean, honestly, if I say this with all humility, the home I'm living in today, if you had told me I'd be living in this home 20 years ago, I'd be like, that's nuts. I'll never be able to afford that house. And the first time I came to see the house, literally my lady said to me, why are we looking at this house? We can't afford it. And I said, yet. And she said, oh, please, Mr. Mind Power. No, I really want to move. Please, not Mind Power. I said, babe, why would I settle for anything less than outstanding? Because then, then I'm not an example of what I'm teaching. You have to push the limits. And she's like, this isn't pushing the limits. This is absurd. We can't afford it. And I said, yet. Now, it took two years. It took two years, but today I'm living in what is truly the house of my dreams. Like, I mean, I visualize myself living in this house. I visualize myself sitting on the deck, looking at the view and the ocean and the pool, sorry, oceans in Cape Town, living at the pool. And I just, I, I flooded my mind. And then I asked myself, okay, but, and here's the next part. Here's a good 
thing for people to go, oh, geez, the boldness is going. See, 50 comes to you quickly, Laban. So <laughs> you, look, you look fantastic with 50. I never would have guessed that. But anyway, that's a side note. Uh, thank you. Now, John will get you everywhere, by the way. Yeah. Okay. When people say John gets you nowhere, it's bullshit. Gets you everywhere. <laughs> so here's the next question that I really want people to get. Ask your mind the right question. It has to look for an answer. Because any question you ask your mind, your mind must look for answers. It's like the ultimate Google search, www.gofind. How can I afford this house? Now, in the beginning, your mind's going to say, you can't. I'm like, okay, I know I can't, but if I could, how would I? No, but, but you can't. I know I can't. But let's just play with this. If I could, how would I? Oh, well, maybe you could try this. Okay, no, that's a bad idea. Give me another idea. So you literally become your own best friend and your own coach because becoming your own superhero, which I love the, 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 your, your name, is actually really becoming your own superhero. Become the person who inspires you the most. Not in an arrogant way, but in a way that's kind of like, okay, Robin, tell me, tell me your ideas. How are we going to make this happen? And, and by the way, sometimes you need to push Robin because he gets freaking lazy. Come on, I need you to think out the box. And even me as Mr. Mindpower, I have limited thinking. So you can't constantly have to like up the, up the, up the ante and say, I want you to think at another level. Okay, so how would you, like, how would you afford that house? And, and I put in a cheeky offer. It was so cheeky. The guy came back and said, I won't even dignify it with the response. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, it was worth a try. Because by the way, all they can do is say no. I mean, you're not going to get arrested. All that happens. Some people are afraid to be cheeky. I'm very cheeky. I mean, I, I ask for things. Oh, yeah, cheeky. Cheeky gets you places. I mean, like, I'll get into, I'll get to, as I'm cheeky, I'll say, what are my chances of being upgraded to business class? Uh, slim to none. Oh, good. Oh, excellent. So there's a slim chance. And then they'll laugh and go, yeah, but slim, slim's not a good thing. I said, listen, slim is better than nothing. You didn't say nothing. You said slim. And already, what am I doing? I'm increasing the chances. <laughs> Now, it doesn't always work, but hey, asking you shall receive is a law of the universe. So I haven't done the percentage increase. All I can say, and by the way, is there another level? Oh, yeah. I mean, like Tony's level, Tony Robbins is at another level. I mean, like Tony's a billionaire. Uh, and I mean, he's, he's a legend. And I love Tony. And I've got huge respect. And by the way, that's another thing. Don't knock other people in your profession. Seriously. Like, I always find it fascinating how people are, why I'm better. No. Celebrate the others as well. It's part of your, your uniqueness is being able to celebrate greatness. Celebrate greatness everywhere you see it. I compliment people constantly. With, I was at this golf tournament this weekend. And I mean, I literally, and I'm not doing it deliberately. It's just become my habit. I walk past like this is one woman I walk past and uh, she's, she's a, an elderly woman, but God, she's wearing such a beautiful outfit. And I walked past and said, wow. I said, ma'am, that is such a stunning outfit. I said, you look gorgeous. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, thank you. I said, no, 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 thank you. I said, I'm going to play better golf because of you. And, and then the next day I saw, because it was a two-day conference, a two-day program, the next day I saw, she had, I said, you've got another amazing outfit on. And then I said to her husband, does she always dress like this? And he looked at me, he was like, yeah, she does. I said, man, you're a lucky guy. And, and I walked away, I could see them like looking at me going, what the hell? 
they make of this? I walked past yesterday as well. This, this woman was looking at her husband and while he was talking to her. And she was looking at him with such love. And you could see they'd been together 10 years at least because they had kids with them. And I walked past and I, I mean, because by the way, I'm cheeky. You know, I'm cheeky. I told you that. And I literally walked past them and I said to the, I said to the, I said to the, I said to the guy, I said, excuse me, guys. I said, I'm so sorry to interrupt your mind. I said, no, no, it's fine. I said, I said to the guy, excuse me, sir. Does she always look at you with such incredible love in her eyes? And he went, actually, yes, she does. I said, how do you do it? Teach me, because I need to make notes. How do I get to do this? Because that kind of love is amazing after so long of being in a relationship. And they both look at this. He's like, no, no, no. Well, <laughs> they start talking to me. It's so easy to live an amazing life. So here's the other, tr here's the other trick. Have a vision of where you want to be and love where you are. Mm. Have a vision of what, an amazing life will look like, but don't forget to love where you are because if you're not loving where you are, when you get to the amazing life that you want to have, you won't love that either because you'll have another vision. So the trick, the trick we need to work with in mind power is we always want to grow and evolve as human beings. It's in our DNA. We want to get better. We want to evolve. We want to, we constantly want to get better than where we are. It's built into our DNA. But even though you have a vision of where you are, want to be, don't be fooled and think that once you're there, then you'll be happy. No, happiness is a choice that you make right now. That, that, that would be great, but remember to be thankful. And gratitude truly is the best attitude. So even if you've got nothing in your life right now, make a list of 20 things you could be grateful for. And focus on that, like really feel it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so, do you know that there's a study that was done recently? In fact, my business manager, Yvette, told me this story. That if you have a roof Yvette, over your head, yeah, shout out to Yvette, the legendary Yvette. If you have, I think it didn't receive, I remember it. If you have a roof over your head, you have uh, food in your stomach and you, have, and you have a car, you own a vehicle. You are on the top 8% of the planet. Ooh. Eight, those three things. Not a fancy car, not an amazing house. You have a roof over your head, you have a, a food in your a food to eat, and you have a car. You're in the top 8% of the planet. Whoa. That should make you feel thankful because you suddenly realize how much you actually do have. So, yeah, so to answer the question, it's I'm, I'm eternally grateful for how much it has changed and it continues to change and it continues to evolve. And that's what you want to do is make sure you're constantly evolving, but don't lose the true message. It's not just about financial success. You want financial, by the way, let me be very clear. I am big on financial success. You must be successful because your success helps lots of people and your failure helps no one. It is your duty to succeed because the whole world benefits from your success. Now, I know some of you are saying that's bullshit. Yeah, it does. Think of everyone who benefits from you being financially successful. Your family benefits. Uh, you might start employing people. You start adding to the economy. Your success helps lots of people. Your failure helps no one. So you must be. We insist in mind power. Being financially successful is part of the package. And it's more than just that. It's about living a fulfilling life because success without fulfillment is failure. That's a Tony Robbins quote, and I love it. Success without fulfillment is failure. So some people are financially successful, but they're not emotionally fulfilled. So you want to find the balance and have both. I've got everything but the financial at the moment, Robin. And, and for that, I'm really grateful. Like, I'm, I'm truly really grateful because I know 
that that final chapter will come. And I and I'd love to hear some of the affirmational language that you need to use to develop that that abundance and, and finance into your life. Yeah. Well, that and that, by the way, it isn't a mind. It's, it is a, it is about creating an abundance mindset. So I'll tell you John's story actually, because John's story is very powerful and impacted me. John Keogh, before he started teaching his Mind Power program, was living in the woods in British Columbia, uh, in Canada. For those of you who don't know where British Columbia is, uh, and he was literally living in the woods. He had no financial means, and he was living like a pauper, and he had. Like literally he was scraping the pennies about how he's going to buy, you know, his groceries for the week. And he bought skimply and he, he tells the story and the way he tells it, I, I can't do it justice, but I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to my best ability. He says that he had so little and he realized that even though he didn't have much financial means, he could still create an abundance mindset. And so what he started doing is he started focusing on abundance and he started thinking about where does he have abundance? And so he says, while he was eating some grapes, he'd think to himself, good grief. I don't just have one grape. I don't just have two grapes. I don't just have three grapes. I've got a whole bunch of grapes. Oh my gosh, this is abundance. And then he says, when he was putting some wood on the fire, because he got it, he was living in the forest. And as he was putting on, he says, I don't just have one piece of wood. I don't just have two pieces of wood. I don't just have three. I've got a whole forest of wood at my disposal. Oh, this is abundance. And then he says, he'd stand outside at night and he'd look at the sky. And he says, I don't just see one star. I don't just see two stars. I don't just see, I see an abundance of stars. And he says, he literally started looking for abundance. And wow, look at all the abundance. Look at the grains of sand. There's so much sand. I mean, imagine trying to count all the sand on the beach. It's like, this is amazing. And then he started thinking, well, that means that as, as much abundance as there is in nature, there must be abundance in the marketplace. There's so much money. And I can tap into this. I, I need to, to. And so he literally started training himself to think abundance, to focus on abundance. And he tells a story, and it is beautiful. He says, fast forward five years later. He is in Sydney, Australia, and he is doing a, a Mind Power seminar, which was a four-week journey in those days. It's three months now, uh, and because it's once a week uh, for three, uh, for four weeks in a row, and for me, it's once a week for three months in a row. Um, and what happened is he says that he was staying in, I think it was the Hilton Hotel. I can't remember which hotel, but some very well-known brand. And he was in the presidential suite. He didn't check into a room. He checked into the presidential suite. And he says it was the room that the, the, the Beatles stayed in. And he's a big Beatles fan. And he says he was imagining John probably sat on this chair and they probably practiced some of their music here. And he was like, so like, this is the same room the Beatles were in. And he says he had a view of the, of the, of the Harbor Bridge and the Opera House. And he says he was standing there and just looking back on his life and he thought, this is amazing. Here's the best part. He checked in for a month. <laughs> and he was like, where did this abundance come from? The abundance starts in your mindset. Everything starts with our thinking. There's nothing that man creates that doesn't start first as a thought. If you want to build a house, it doesn't start with the foundation. First, you think about building the house. Then you draw the plans. Then you dig the foundation. Then you build the house. But everything starts with a thought. So the first thing is to get a vision, Laban, of what does financial success look like to you? Because it's different for everyone. 
And what does it look like to you? And from your current state, what would a good monthly income be, let's say in the next six months, eight months, maybe the next year? Now, I got this affirmation I'm about to share, you, share with you from Susie Orman. I went to see Susie Orman when she was in Cape Town, I think in 2002, so 18 years ago or something. And she told a story that when she was a stockbroker, she, she was earning very, she had very little financial means and she was earning $2,000 a month. And the reason that they had hired her was they needed to, it was an affirmative action post. They needed to have more women in the business, but they really weren't that interested. They were just doing what they had to do to be politically correct. So they hired her as a stockbroker and she was earning $2,000 a month, but she knew that there were other people in the same business who were making $30,000 a month doing the same job. Now they were more advanced, they had more experience, so she thought, what would be a great target for myself? And she thought, you know what, if I can earn at least $10,000, because if, I, if I'm earning $2,000 and, and, and Laban's earning thirty, doing the same job, then it's possible, right? So surely I can do ten. So she created this affirmation. She believed that she'd never be financially independent because she had to be dependent on her parents and she was always dependent on, on men to look after her financially. And she decided, I'm going to be financially independent. So it was a two-part affirmation, which went as follows. I am financially independent and earn at least $10,000 per month. I am financially independent and earn at least $10,000 per month. And she said she said that over and over again every day. She wrote it down 25 times. She read it and she said it. So she, she really worked on it every day. Now, here's the key, because the mind loves repetition. We, we reprogram our minds with repetition. And while she was telling us the story, she says, and ladies and gentlemen, as I'm standing in front of you today, I'm so glad I said at least because of course she's way surpassed $10,000 per month. So I thought, wow, well, surely if it works for her, I'm gonna try this too. So I thought, okay, at the time my business, and I'm speaking South African rands, you can divide by 10 for the, for the Aussies. And at the time, and I'm going back to 2002, I was earning 15,000 rand a month, which is basically one and a half thousand dollars. And so I thought, well, I know that there are speakers or people in the same industry who earn 100,000 rand a month. So I know that it's capable, it's possible. And I've got a great product. I just got to get it out to the right people. So I started saying the following affirmation. I am financially independent and earn at least 30,000 rand a month. I doubled it. I am financially independent and earn at least 30,000 rand a month. I said it every day in the shower. I said it every day, probably for six to eight months. And Within six to eight months, my business was consistently generating 30,000 Rand a month. And I thought, shit, this is amazing. Well, you got to upgrade your software. So I thought, well, if I can do 30, do you think I could do 50? And I was like, oh, bullshit. There's no way you can earn 50,000. And I went, well, my club can earn more than that. And I thought, well, okay. I am financially independent and at least $50,000, uh, 50,000 Rand a month, sorry, $5,000. I am financially independent and at least $50,000 a month, 50,000 Rand a month. Seven, eight months, I started consistently earning 50,000 Rand a month. I was like, this is freaking wild. And I thought, well, if it works for 50,000 Rand, do you think it could work? No, come on, Robin. I'm like, well, I'm just, gonna, I'm standing in the shower anyway, might as well say it. 
So I started saying, I am financially independent and earn at least 100,000 rand per month. And I must be honest, even as I said it, I was laughing because it was just absurd. I'm like, I am financially independent and earn at least 100,000 rand per month. And I was like, per month. And I'm like, no way. Took about 10 months. My business started earning generating 100,000 Rand per month. And as I said, now I'll earn 200,000 Rand in a talk. <laughs> so you'll be amazed to realize that the limits are in consciousness. So what you are actually doing is you're upgrading your software. So you continuously go in there, but there's a, there's a key that most people mislead. And part of what I want to teach people in the mind power course, if you sow a seed into a garden that is full of weeds. Do you think that seed has a good chance of growing or not a great chance? I'll say it again. If you sow a seed into a garden that's full of weeds, what do you think the chances are that that seed is going to take, that is going to grow? Not very good. Why? It's too much other stuff vying for its nutrition and it's too busy. Yeah. It's going to get choked up. By all the weeds, it's gone, it, it's, it stands very little chance of growing. So the first thing you need to do is you need to take out the weeds before you can sow new seeds. So a big part of the process that I teach people in the Mind Power course is how to uninstall the old programming. Because it's pointless putting in new programming on top of old programming because the old programming is still going to be dominant. So you want to uninstall the old belief systems. So if it's financial, and by the way, there are techniques. That's what I mainly teach people. But just a brief one to help you out here. What are your beliefs about money? And you might need to do an exercise around this. You might need to really go and think, what did my parents used to say about money? What do I believe I'm capable of? Do I think that money is the root of all evil? Do I think that money is not spiritual? What are my beliefs about money? And most of us have got scarcity beliefs. And because we have scarcity beliefs, and I do too, by the way, uh, because we've got scarcity beliefs, our, our experience is scarcity. So we need to weed out the old belief systems and then sow new seeds. And so what I would say is besides saying the affirmation, maybe do an exercise with, with Laban and start saying, okay, so what are my beliefs about my, what, what is your earliest childhood memory about money? Do you remember your parents saying, oh, things are too tight? And because all of that is influencing your vibrational frequency. And so what you want to do is start not judging them, not making them right, not making them wrong. My parents struggled. I mean, I grew up in an apartheid South Africa. And as a person of color, my, my, the opportunities for my parents were limited. I've got much greater opportunities than they had. Uh, but still, uh, their, their languaging influenced me. Their, I still catch myself sounding like my dad because we, that's how we grew up. So I can see that there's still a part of me that no matter how much I've got, there's a huge fear that will be taken away. Like, really? <laughs> I've got so much abundance. I still have scarcity beliefs. And so I need to constantly work and I go, Robin, seriously? Let's, so then I'll actually have a dialogue with Robin and go, okay, let's have a, let's have a chat about it. And say, so if this, and then what could be put in place? So you constantly need to become your own hero. I'd really recommend you, you, you think about that, um, that titles. Great title. You should use it for your show. You oh, need to think become, about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should think about it. Yeah, think about it. It's a great title. 
become your own hero. And being your own hero is support yourself. Support yourself when you're in challenge. Listen to your language and really do the work. But changing your fun your financial consciousness is really about questioning your scarcity beliefs and adopting prosperity beliefs like money is good. Now, some people, when I say money is good, oh, oh, I'm like, okay, I know why that is because they believe that money is the root of all evil. Money is just a piece of paper. I love the good that money can do. Money, money changes people's lives. Money saves forests. There was a, the, the, there's a story about the um, Amazon rainforest. At one point, the Costa Rican government were going to sell it off to, uh, to a group of um, uh, loggers because they wanted to take all the trees out for, for logging. And some environmental groups got all up in arms and said, you can't do it. And the Costa Rican government was like, well, we need the money. I mean, $100 million is a lot of money. And we need the $100 million because we can you know, good for education, we can make better roads, we can pay, get schools. And, and so, the, so these guys came up with an idea, well, why don't we just buy the rainforest? Just one problem, they needed $100 million. And after a lot of work, the World Bank agreed to pay the Costa Rican government $100 million. And today, the, that rainforest is protected land. It wow. does not belong to the Costa Rican government. It'll never be logged. And, the, and that's great. It happened for a lot of good reasons because, you know, people worked and stuff. But the main reason it happened is because $100 million exchanged hands. Money is good. Money can do good things. Bill Gates is worth 60, I mean, at one point he was worth $60 billion. Do you know that he gave $30 billion to the Melinda Gates Foundation? $30 billion. Think of all the good work he's going to do with that. So money can do good things in the hands of people who are conscious custodians of money. And Bill Gates, for me, is a conscious custodian. <laughs> he's given his two kids $10 million each when, they, when he dies. That's what they inherit. Like, what? The rest of it is going to charity. I love this guy. Because like, come on, $10 million is a good start for you kids. <laughs> you know, I was like, give me one, Bill. <laughs> you know, so I, I think to, to love the good that money can do, uh, that, uh, that abundance is, is great. You can make a difference in the world. So it's really about changing your beliefs about money. Well, there's some uh, some really powerful stuff there, Robin, and I am super appreciative of the time that you've given us so far and I'm very conscious that you are an incredibly busy man doing 100% online at the moment while we're in lockdown. <laughs> is there anything that you want to finish on? Um, how can we hear about, how can we do the Mind Power course? more importantly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, I'd love for people, I, I do a free introductory seminar. So people are more than likely to come and join me at a free introductory seminar. They, the actual course is live. Uh, I do do some free introductory seminars and some of them are, 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 are recorded webinars. So, I mean, it depends on time zones because sometimes they, uh, um, there's one this Thursday, but I'm not sure when your guys will see this. So, Probably not uh, so the best we'll put the link below so people can get on the yeah, website. Put the link below. Otherwise, just go to my website, robinbanksmindpower.com. It's robinbanks, R-O-B-I-N, mindpower.com. And on that page, they can uh, register for the course or they can register for the introductory webinar just to give them a flavor for what it is about. And in that session, I give them a lot of great content as well, helping you to understand how the mind works. So yeah, I'd love to have you guys there. If you've enjoyed this session, this is the tip of the iceberg. And my goal is to transform global consciousness. So the more they are, the merrier. In fact, that's been the bonus, I tell you, Laban, of uh, lockdown. Previously, I had to travel to all these places. My carbon footprint oh, was atrocious. <laughs> I mean, I was flying so much. And I've just been thinking, well, what's the benefit of, of lockdown? 
I'm not, I think I've flown since March, I've had one flight to Cape Town. And usually by now, I'd have probably had, and I'm not exaggerating, 100 flights, you know. I mean, I was flying a lot. And I thought, how amazing is it that my goal was to transform global consciousness? And I was literally traveling to Cape Town, to Durban, to Melbourne, to Sydney, to Auckland, to Hong Kong, to London, to California. And now my seminars have got people from all over the world and my carbon footprint is much smaller. And the benefit is I can give them a better rate because I don't have to pay for all the expenses. So there's just, what I really want to say to people is we are in a time of change and change does not have to be a force to be feared. It truly is an opportunity to be seized. So reframe, as a friend of mine, Laban would say, reframe the way you're seeing the situation because there are opportunities everywhere if you awaken yourself to seeing them. So truly, Laban, thank you for having me. And uh, just an acknowledgement to you and the good work you're doing for the conscious choice you've made to make an inspir- uh, a positive impact in as many people's lives as you can. I hope your business goes from strength to strength to strength. And honestly, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. May the, may the money flow in oceans of abundance so that you can do even more good work and inspire more people. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. I'm incredibly grateful, Robin. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Robin Banks. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O. ES.com.